welcome to That's Darn Good. I'm Janelle Ball, and I'm excited to bring you thought-provoking conversations about biologics, specialty medications, treatments, and so much more. I'll be chatting with some amazing guests about access, affordability, and advocacy. You're really going to enjoy this show. This episode is sponsored by BC Educators. BC Educators offers in-office training and virtual bio coordinators to create a single point of contact for everything from prior authorizations to prescription acquisition and patient follow-up. To ensure your patients have the access to the medications they need, hire the right team to simplify your dermatology office processes. Visit bceducators.com. That's B-C-E-D-U-C-A-T-O-R-S.com. Patient access is our priority. Thank you for joining me. I have Sean Sorrell here, and you are an FRM with Sun Pharma. Sean, I am just so excited to be able to get this time to talk to you because you just have so much knowledge. And, you know, as a bio coordinator, I feel like just getting all the information is so good, but there's so much that we forget. <laughs> there's new things that come out all the time. So I just kind of want to talk about a little bit of, you know, your experience. You've worked with multiple pharmaceutical companies in the past. And, you know, so what drew you to this industry and what you're doing right now? This is my 33rd year in the industry. So I've been doing this a while and boy, has it changed over all those years. (laughs) (laughs) But what drew me into it, it it was funny. My wife and I, we didn't want our our child in daycare. And one of us whose ever career took off, that's who we were going to follow. And mine took off first. So that was the best day when I, I got my first job in sales in pharmaceuticals. And I was able to call her and say, you can quit if you want. We don't, you don't have to go to daycare anymore with, with Christian, our firstborn at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's 34 now. Wow. That was a long time ago. But uh, that's what drew me into it. But I had had some experience before my mother worked in a primary care office receptionist for years when I was in junior high and high school. And uh, I bumped into some of the pharmaceutical people who came in, the sales reps who came in from time to time, and mm-hmm. grew up with all the crazy little pens and notepads that they used to leave with offices. So it really attracted me. I, I really liked what they were doing and uh, yeah. the rest got history from there. That's awesome. So as far as like experience with commercial managed care, is payer access, reimbursement, kind of explain a little bit of, of what your role is on a daily <laughs> basis. I like to say I'm a bit of a fireman in that offices will either call me when they don't know what's going on, or they call me when everything's happened all at once. So I spend a lot of my time dealing with how can I take it from a house on fire to helping them put smoke alarms in <laughs> So they can catch it when it's just one thing wrong. And insurance, you know, their number one goal is to say no to you and to say no to everybody. So it's always changing. So I always have to keep up on, you name it, from the commercial side to the Medicare side to the Advantage Care side, supplements, step therapies, all of those. So it's really challenging. But I guess the basic thing I like is offices want me to come in. And Mm -hmm. it's not like when I was on the sales side for years, when, you know, it took a while and sometimes they didn't want you there. 
you're kind of in the way. No, when they call me or they call any of my counterparts, you know, on the field reimbursement side, they want us to come in and solve a problem. And I really like doing that. Yeah. I was going to ask that too. I mean, because there are still some offices that are kind of closed off. And what happens when when there's an office that doesn't really allow you to come in and they just want you to help fix things, <laughs> but you really, but the access isn't really there. I mean, does that affect, you know, obviously that does affect the patients getting the medication, but you know, when you see offices that are just not, they just don't have that access available. I mean, how do you work around that? Well, if the office in my company's products point of view, if they use our enrollment form, Mm-hmm. that brings the patient in front of me. I can see everything because we're HIPAA compliant or HIPAA certified. So I can see the patient's demographics, their insurance. When our case managers do the benefits investigation, I can also see all of the PA criteria and that I can also see reasons for denials. So as long as I can get a hold of the person by voice, at least over the phone, whoever it happens to be in the office, I can eventually move the case through it it can be challenging if i can do a virtual with them you know that i can screen share and i can show them you know section four line two can you put change you know i would recommend you change that diagnosis code (laughs) Mm -hmm. something like that and uh, so technology helps to a degree but the biggest frustration for me is offices are just so short-staffed and staff turnover is terribly high. So as soon as you spin somebody up to really being on top of it, they get a better offer and they're gone. Right. And that's hard and no, I'm not faulting them at all, but it's that's makes it very difficult because now you have to find another champion and a backup champion in an office because people do take days off. They do get sick. <laughs> so you need to have a backup. Right. And that and that is hard, especially in this role. Um, you know, just from my own experience, it seems like when when you're the bio coordinator, the office just wants to kind of put everything on that bio coordinator. Oh, you can do it. Okay, here you go. And then they kind of wash their hands of it and don't realize that, you know, everybody kind of plays a role in that whole process and everybody has to get involved to be able to make sure that that access is available for their patients. So, um, you know, one of the things so you work with a lot of buy and bill, um, which is, you know, just for, for those that are not very familiar with buy and bill, can you kind of explain how Sun kind of works with that process and how, how um, you can help offices who don't have experience with buy and bill or maybe curious? Because I feel like in dermatology specifically, there's, you know, not very many biologics that are buy and bill other specialties you see like allergy and asthma they do buy and bill all the time so for offices that are not really familiar with the process um why is that a good good option and you know just for for those offices i'd say it's a good option from several different points of view but then i'm also going to say in some office settings in the structure it's a terrible option just because it does require that there be a certain level of business acumen within an office as far as scheduling, ordering, billing, collecting, making sure payments come back in to the office. 
but with that being said, let's assume that the office does have a business, a certain level of business acumen, then this is a great way to really control the complete patient journey through the, the use of a biologic because they have to come back into the office for their injection. So with you know, my product, my, you know, specifically, you've got a week zero, week four, and then every three month injections, it's a great way to have the patient come back in for an assessment out there. Uh, from the office point of view, uh, buying bills, uh, it's a wonderful option for patients to have Medicare Part D, as in boy, and a supplement because there's no prior authorization required. And, you know, that's a giant time waster. I use a, a different four-letter word for it, but it, <laughs> it's it's amazing process. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just met with an office who you well know here in beautiful Terre Haute, Indiana, and he's really excited about moving forward with the buy and bill process. But, you know, there were some steps that he needed to do a little pre-work pre that has to be in place as far as who's going to provide the medication to them, which specialty distributor. And every manufacturer has a different step at that point. But in the broad view, they have to get it at the right price. They have to get it in the right time. And then they have to have the billing processes in place so that they can bill appropriately and get paid in a timely manner, hopefully before the invoice is due from the specialty distributor. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, offices that do it, you know, like you touched on the rheumatology. I mean, they've just jumped into the deep end for years. Yeah. And once I, I kind of explained to the provider that as far as my product goes, it's under the medical benefit. I say, we are billed, it's the same for 1500 forms. You know, I have a different J code, of course, but they kind of finally realize, oh yeah, it's, it is. The doctors reimburse, providers reimburse under medical benefit. So is my biologic under medical benefit. So uh, there's a, just a little bit of pre-work they have to do. And then I always handhold for about the first four because it never fails that it'll be They'll do a couple perfect Medicare Part B with supplements. They verify that they had active coverage. They order the drug. The drug comes in. Everything goes great. And then somehow a Medicare Advantage plan patient sneaks in. <laughs> so you've got a Humana Gold Plus PPO. Well, that's not an ideal buy-in bill patient because they're going to have typically a 20% copay. And some of these biologics are five figures per injection. Right. And patients. And afford that now i think all the manufacturers most all have patient assistance processes in place but that requires a significant amount of work on the office's part if it's the clinically the best product i support the office i'll walk them through the patient assistance process and hopefully we'll get the patient on drug that way but right. it's much more time consuming yeah so, I mean, when there's so many changes with Medicare, I mean, you were just saying that there's a new new modifier. <laughs> modifier. You have like a GM, which means if they don't use all of a vial, if there's some waste, they can bill for the waste. We're a Jay-Z. If there's waste, you injected it wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, there's no waste. I mean, do you feel like that there's just so many little things that are changing to make it more difficult for patients to get medication, especially with Medicare changes? You know, it's so expensive, but if they can get it through their Part D, then they usually shouldn't have to pay anything at all, right? 
Well, no, not not with biologics. If no. they're part D, I mean, yeah, their part D is that's kind of like just a supplement. all wrapped into their their advantage plan. Mm -hmm. You know, if they have that typical advantage plan, or you know, like I always use Humana Gold, that's the big one in in my region. They're going to have a twenty percent copay, and a lot of patients, and it could be until they spend, they meet their out of pocket. Well, that could be four thousand, five thousand dollars. And some patients can't afford that. And if they just try to do it under, say, my product under pharmacy benefit, it's not indicated under pharmacy. It's indicated under medical. So a lot of the insurance won't even, it's a plan exclusion. They won't even uncover it at all, mm -hmm. which here again, we can help with that. We, if it's a plan exclusion, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have patient assistance for that. But the office has to do a lot more work that way. And right. that's why we need to really refer to all of their FRMs across all the different manufacturers. Absolutely. I mean, let, let us worry about it. You know, you've got plenty to do. You're rooming patients, you're doing PA forms, you know, you're trying to deal with the sales reps who are in the office too. Now just, you know, use our enrollment form and we'll be able to guide you through that process. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why your role is so valuable because you're able to see a lot more. And like I said, you're just such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the coverage. And, you know, when we're trying to explain these things to the patients and it's, it's difficult because Medicare is confusing. Um, insurance in general is confusing and there's so many changes all the time. And it's, you know, it's, difficult for offices to keep up. So somebody in your position, you know, you're the one that's keeping us up to date on any changes and things that are happening. And I'm sure that's got to be overwhelming for you because you got to go through your whole list of, I mean, how big of a territory do you cover? <laughs> I, I cover all of Indiana. Okay. So yeah, that's, I mean, there are some, some of my counterparts within my organization have multiple states but that's just a matter of there are only so many dermatologists in North Dakota, wow, South Dakota or Wyoming. So, you know, they end up with multiple states. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate. I mean, the majority of my business, quote unquote, business is central Indiana and then up around the Chicago land area, the region, depending where, where you live, what you call it. I have a lot of business up there. A lot of uh, there's one large dermatology organization that has a lot of locations throughout the state and then i give a fair number of what i'd call independence you know that they haven't hooked up with uh, the optimas and the forefronts of the world things like that yet <laughs> they're still out there doing it their own way yeah so yeah i mean i try to keep abreast but the nice thing is i don't have the issues that are necessary that when you were a bio coordinator you dealt with i can't even talk to a patient i had to send them to the corporate office number almost immediately but in an office setting, you're, you're rooming patients, you're talking with clinicians. I don't have that. You know, I, I can focus on your problem. And you've maybe you noticed when you call me, most of the time it'll go to voicemail because I want to call my client back with an answer. Leave the message. I'll call you back with the answer. Within 24 hours is my standard routine. No, that makes sense. Okay. So you've also worked as a field trainer so, I mean, I do a lot of training. I mean, consulting with offices and things like that. What was that like when you were training? It's interesting. I've been a field trainer both on the sales side and on the access side. And it's really interesting if I'm training, say, a new hire 
who's coming in directly from sales, I spend a lot of time initially with them just saying, slow down, whoa, 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 and think, you know, why am I here? You know, is it worth their time to talk to me for a few minutes? I mean, like I'm on my iPad Pro here talking to you. Well, I've got full access to my our tracking system that we use. So I can see all the cases. And that crossed over from sales and I was a sales trainer. It was the same thing, but it, it was slightly different there. It was, what's the, what's the largest payer this provider deals with? And I've transferred that over when I was an access trainer. It's the same basic thing. Was, you know, why are we here? Uh, you know, yeah, they called me with problems, but let's take a moment. Let's look back. What's happened with other cases? I was amazed at people who were just, I've got to do 10 calls a day. <laughs> I'm going to run in there. It's like, no, just do four really good targeted. Bring some value. Because most people do the same thing wrong repeatedly. I've been married 38 years. I get told that all the time. You're still doing the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you also co-manage a sales force of more than 50 reps. So it kind of falls along the same lines as training or what were you doing with that? I like to say it's leading without authority. Mm-hmm. When the, the, I was on the sales side, when I was in that co-managing role where I was with a different company at that time, and mm-hmm. I would meet with the sales team. I would join them on their sales calls, either on the phone or their live sales meetings that we used to do at the time. But I was on the, what we call, you know, I was more on the contracting side, the rebate side. I dealt with the anthems, the humanas, and the omnicares of, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I worked with a lot of hospice organizations back then. So I would share some insights with the sales team here again, getting them to stop for a moment and think about who am I focusing on? Why am I focusing on them? Why am I trying to get this doctor to write X when they really love Y? And X is not covered on any insurance plan. So Try to get them to better target. That's what I did when I was co-managing. I wasn't their direct manager that would write them up if they did something wrong, but it was just trying to make them better. Just like in my role right now, the more of my sales partners that achieve sales awards, that just makes me feel great because I was able to get patients on therapy to a level that it really helped move them forward. Then my company, I use the term matrix team and it is, you know, there's myself, there's the sales side, sales, their managers who I'm kind of like the same level with their managers. But we have our national sales team. There are corporate account directors who deal with the larger dermatology groups nationally. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to know, you know, maybe some motives, you know, why an account is doing something. And then there are some things where sales needs to stay in their guardrails. We stay on our, within our guardrails. So. That's the managing side, managing everybody, communicating with everybody. Yeah, that's good. So as far as your on your LinkedIn, you know, you definitely are posting a lot about, you know, just current events and, you know, what's going on with insurance. Do you consider yourself an advocate and how, how do you help your offices advocate for their patients? I would say, yes, I'm very much an advocate of both for personal reasons and professional reasons. Like within the professional side, I really advocate with offices that if they had only had a Medicare Part B with a supplement plan insurance, as opposed to an Advantage plan, you know, they would be in so much better of a position. 
but then I don't know the patient's complete medical history because maybe I'm the outlier in their care and most of their meds are prescription benefit and the advantage plan is an advantage for them. So that's, I try to advocate with the office to ask the patient, how many medications are you on? Because sometimes when they're referred to dermatologists, you don't get their complete medication history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know everything. And if it's a, a male patient like myself, I probably don't remember half of what I was supposed to be taking anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of converse with the patient a little bit about that. If they're really showing some stress about, can I afford this? Can I not? So I spend a lot of time, you know, usually during when we have more than just, I'm here to solve a problem discussion with the staff to, try to show them there are other options out there for these patients and the patients they can change they can make the change each year and if they have questions you know i can help the staff and then i provide the staff with things like medicare navigators most people don't even know the medicare navigator system is out there they don't know how to exist to contact yeah it's great is a medicare navigator they're actually it's funny they're actually employed by medicare but they usually work with various states health insurance programs. Like in Indiana, we have SHIP, the state health insurance program. And what they do is like with my parents, when my parents retired and they became Medicare eligible, I called the program and I made an appointment with a Medicare navigator. And what I did is I took my parents in and they just brought in a list of all their medications which they got from their local Walgreens pharmacy. You know, they gave them a printout. They walked in and the navigator looked at all the different plan structures, plugged in their medications and said, well, for my parents at the time, Humana Gold Plus PPO was a perfect option for them. And they've been quite happy with it. But most patients don't know that. They just look at the TV commercials. They like Tom Selleck or, you know, whoever it is. And they sign up. You know, it, I only had to pay $10 a month. Well, you're going to get what you pay for. It, it's tough. You can learn about it. You can find the answers, but it's very time consuming. I mean, right now, uh, my mother has severe dementia and we're going through moving her inpatient now. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, my father gets hit with stage four colorectal cancer. So he's had that surgery. So it's like, all right, you know, this is what I do for a living in a way. But I usually don't have two crash cases at the same time that I'm trying to fix. Right. They, they call me at three in the morning. You know, I don't have those <laughs> issues. And I will say this, my experience with this industry really has helped mm-hmm. the transitions on my personal side going through that. Yeah. It's good because you do have that personal experience and you're able to kind of relay that advocacy and that education that you've retained over the years to be able to help your family and you know and just helping others too it just it makes such a huge difference i can't say enough how important that role is and how much you help so many offices lastly what is something that you would like to say to other bio coordinators or anybody that's in in the position of the prior authorizations and working with patients to get that access. Don't get frustrated. Reach out to your access person, be they a field reimbursement manager, like each organization is slightly different. Reach out to them. And if you don't know who it is, I believe one of your organizations is putting together a way to contact FRMs. 
or you can call the manufacturers and just say, you know, I need help with this. Sometimes the sales partners know, sometimes the sales partners aren't, don't know due to the company's internal structures. And, but just don't suffer alone. As you, you can tell during this call with, between you and I, I had four clients call me. <laughs> and it's like, well, I have less than 24 hours now. I've got to give them an answer. But uh, because you've got other things to do. You've got other patients to see. And this is what I do. Let me get you your answers. Be it a, do you just need a, a code for a hospital so you can refer the patient for an infusion? Or do you need to know step therapy? What's required of you? That's why we're here. All of us just reach out to your access person. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate your time. And you're welcome. Same here. We will talk again soon. All right. Thank you, Sean. Have a good one. Thank you, Janelle. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me and learning about That's Darm Good. You can expect new episodes of That's Darm Good every other week. The podcast is available on your favorite podcasting app, including where you're listening right now. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Bye. Bye.